Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. This is the host, Kyle Marcott, and today we have Eliza Zhang on the show. Eliza is the owner and principal of over a thousand units via 1031 exchange and syndication. This allowed her to leave her day job and she is now a full-time real estate investor. She now focuses her time and expertise on helping typical nine-to-fivers quit their job in 10 years or less. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. So let's get into your story of a very interesting one. And I'd love to just talk to the audience about, you know, how you got from where you were all the way to where you are now, thousand plus units, massive portfolio, and just a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, sure. I'm just going to give the fast lane version of it. Um, so we started in 2009 uh, when the market is down, kind of similar to maybe a couple of years from now. Um, so, you know, so buying opportunities coming. Um, so we started with a condo. We bought a condo. We really didn't know what we're doing. Um, I think for me, I always to kind of like dive into things ahead first and just try it out, see if it works or not. Um, and uh, so that actually, we didn't have a lot of cash flow, but originally our goal was to buy seven properties, pay them all off and then retire. Um, and we knew that's going to take a while until we had a third property that we ran into like, oh, not having enough money. So before we kind of saved that for these, right? Um, and also as the year kind of goes by, the price of the housing, I live in Seattle, uh, near Seattle is kind of going up and up. Um, so very quickly in 2015, my daughter was born. So if you have a child, you kind of, it changes a life perspective. Um, so for me, you're no longer kind of just living for yourself. You now have responsibilities. And you want to spend more time truly with someone else. Not that I don't want to spend time with my husband, but it's very different, uh, you know, um, because there's a human being that is relying on you, right? Um, so from there, you know, it really got me thinking about how can I truly quit my job really quickly. Um, so I did that um, by researching on the internet, literally just typing in Google, like, how do I quit my job using real estate? Uh, and guess what? Bigger pockets came up, you know, um, and then I just devolved all the content on um, bigger pockets for a good month, you know, just reading every single blog that was of any relevance. Um, and also actually met some people from Seattle from bigger pockets, right? Just kind of meet them, have lunch with them, ask some questions. Um, so from there, I realized that I was doing this all wrong because you should be having cash flow. Um, and so I'm like, oh, geez, we're doing this all wrong. Um, so we started then sold our three properties. Um, gladly, we had a lot of equities there. We bought at the right market. Um, and the 1031, which is kind of a vehicle for you to defer taxes uh, into a couple of fourplexes. So that kind of allowed us to start playing the cash flow game. We did their burrs. What is um, burrs? I think it's buy, uh, renovate, reno re rent, rent. Uh, yeah, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. So basically, uh, we did a couple of that strategy. My husband did the, the men work, um, <laughs> you know, the construction work, and I did the uh, management work, uh, which I managed all my tenants, make sure it's filled with the right tenants and this and that. Um, so from there, um, you know, I always think about uh, when you're growing, you should kind of choose, you know, a knowledge base that it's a little bit bigger. So like you, your knowledge of circle, circle of knowledge is kind of gross one step at a time. <clears throat> so then I took, uh, because I was managing itself, but I was like, geez, like I can't imagine myself if I want to go FI, like having to deal with the tenants all the time. 
Um, so I wanted to try out to work with a PM. So I went a little bit further out, outside of Seattle in Tacoma, about an hour and a half from us, um, then bought a 12 unit um, and I took on a partner. So there's a couple of things I learned from there, which is now I got into the commercial world, commercial, you know, multifamily. Well, because anything about four is commercial. Um, so there's a different kind of um, lending mechanism and I get to learn how to manage a partner uh, and the PM that is kind of somewhat remote, right? And my husband no longer doing construction on them. Um, so that was a very interesting experience. Um, and then from there, you know, we bought a couple more small apartments and then we realized there's no more deals to, to be had because the market just keep on going up. The cash flow doesn't really make sense. Um, so we started looking out of state. So that's a natural transition into we want to, because owning smaller property, 12 unit, we know it's kind of challenging. So again, with that FI in mind, we went a little bit bigger because it's supposed to be easier to manage for the larger properties. Uh, and especially when we go out, outside of state. Um, so from there, we started doing syndication. Um, and at first, I passively invested in a lot of deals. Uh, and uh, kind of figured out some knowledge. Um, also did a lot of education myself. I, I met Jake and Gino. I met uh, Brad Sumrock. Um, so these are all like my mentors. Um, and, and from there, you know, we got, we met different partners uh, that is in the market where we want to invest in. So they serve kind of like a boots on the ground. So through partnerships, I was able to leverage other people's resource like time specifically. Um, and from there, you know, we went to Dallas market first and then we started the Phoenix market. Uh, so now we have eight property, eight properties. Yeah. Over like a thousand unit as principal. Yeah. Wow. Quite the story all the way from 2009, all the way up to here. It's just amazing to see the growth. I want to touch on one of the key points that I heard throughout that story, which was you kind of wanted to move away from the lower units and get into bigger units. What is the reason for that? Is it actually easier or harder to, to manage bigger ones? What's the whole uh, point behind that? Yeah, so the whole point was I'm always have a goal. Like even though sometimes people will be like, oh, you're all over the place. I'm like, no, actually, I just had a one MO, uh, which is going financial independent, right? But after you go FI, I want that, like I basically had this pictured in my mind how my typical day going FI will look like. And that involved working remotely. I didn't want to be there managing the property day in and day out because then I just earn myself another job. Um, so that was very important for me. Um, so managing the small unit, the 12 unit, I noticed the property management in this area, in this arena, are usually smaller timer. So property management company like it's it's a very hard business you don't really get paid a lot so then you kind of get the bottom of the barrel of these talents um and uh, you know you essentially have to train them how to do stuff yourself and i was lucky because i was managing my own units before so i have these knowledge to leverage um to help them guide the way and knowing like stuff that when they're doing is not effective right um versus the larger property management company which will only take, by the way, like, you know, some of them will only take more than 100 units, some will only take more than 65 if you combine with another portfolio. So at that caliber, when the PM company owns like 20,000 units versus one that owns like 200, um, there's a huge difference in terms of professionalism and the stuff that they have seen. So you can kind of lean on them a little bit with knowledge and whatnot. 
Um, that being said, I still find even with the large property management company, like the couple of key things that as an asset manager, you got to keep on is, you know, lease up is always the differentiator. And for some reason or the other, it's, it's always somewhat like missing. Um, it doesn't matter how big the PM companies are. Um, and the other way is kind of like efficiency of using expenses. So you have to kind of watch a little closer, right? Um, and so that was kind of the reason, you know, we went bigger and I would say bigger seems to be easier in the fact that that is satisfied my criteria, but you're busy with other stuff. Like, for example, if you're a syndicator, because by going bigger, you need more money. So you can do 1031 exchange to get there, then you don't have to manage anyone else, right? But if you're syndicating, that's another side of busy work in terms of business. Um, so there's more work there. Uh, and also, you know, just looking through financials and et cetera, you need a different kind of muscle, which is looking at a financial report to be able to tease apart what the problem is by looking at the numbers. Um, you know, I happen to be pretty good at it, so that's that helps. Um, whereas like the smaller PM company, I noticed, you know, things are just kind of hit and miss more swing, um, in terms of like really kind of leverage on one person. Um, whereas the larger company, it seems like I can lean on a little bit more, but I do want to kind of touch, um, you know, cause everybody always says more than 65 is easier. And I would say, you know, PM was probably most, most of the reason why we still, we have a property that 36 unit in Phoenix that we figure out a way to manage remotely with our partners. But our partner become very crucial part of that. So that may be something to think about. Um, you know, it is easier. I think the large property, you know, a couple reasons like the uh, experience of the PM and the fact that for larger property now we have partners. So that may be the reason why I feel like that's easier because now I can leverage their time. Uh, and their presence in the location. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. As far as time freedom, that's kind of been my whole philosophy. And I think it's a lot of people's philosophy when they get in the multifamily. And when you're on those 12 units or 10 units, I own a 12 unit in Atlanta and it takes me more time than the 107 unit in Louisville. So it kind of right. is mind boggling to see that happen, but it is the truth. Um, but before we go on to some of the other questions, I'd like you just to define what FI is, because we've used that term several times in here, and I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So what is FI, and then what does it mean to you? Yeah, so FI stands for financial independence. Um, and to me, it's the freedom that it exchanges for. Um, and, and I'm pretty strict on the definition of the FI. Like, if I have to work a 9-to-5 job or just earn the income by doing a job that is not FI. Like FI means that if I can quit, like I just don't do anything. I don't deal with my investors. I don't do anything tomorrow. The money will still come in so that it will supply a, a reasonable standard of living for my family where I feel like I didn't have to go back to work. Like essentially nobody owns me. Uh, that's kind of my definition of FI, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming that there's a massive transition there from you being in the nine to five world and then becoming financially independent in such a big way. What is something that you can give anyone advice on as far as transitioning from, you know, having to work that job and relying on that earned income to a point where money can come in whenever. And technically you could just lay on your couch all day. So how do you get up and, and take on the world and, and, and make that transition? Yeah. So I think it was actually a tough time getting transition over and me and my friend went FI about the same time. You know, he went a little bit, couple months earlier than me. 
and we kind of exchanged idea on that like hey it was kind of tough like you know kind of self-complaining with each other um you know with i have two small kids so that actually makes a huge difference because now you're a lot more available for them so i think this COVID 19 time is giving everybody a preview of potentially what their fi life look like if you have small children uh which is like you're kind of stuck with them all the time so it was kind of hard to kind of carve out when is the five in the time when is actually because now you govern your own schedule um and a lot of time people also talk to me about losing motivation so i think i never lost motivation because i started a business which is you know real estate syndication and by nature it didn't just let me you know go sit on my couch all the time right so like you know because i still have to talk to my investors sometimes and etc as you know even if there's like a no pro new projects or whatever whatever but i wasn't producing much like after i quit i was like wow i'm gonna have so much time so you're probably gonna get into a period of like you're gonna work more and then you realize your life balance is off that was not exactly what you wanted when you get fi even though you have a picture of what what fi look like and then you kind of take a pause moment and readjust, get settled into the new norm. And so I went through a whole period of that. And I would say like the COVID, I hate to say this, actually helped me in a way that I couldn't go anywhere. So there's no distraction because I used to fly to Dallas like every month. So that's a lot of time out of my day and being separate was my baby boy and then all that sort of stuff. It was a little tough. Um, so it kind of actually helped me settle into the lifestyles where we kind of have the regular 10 to 5 or 10 to 4, whenever we feel like it. Um, and then on the weekend, I can decide to either do an extra day or just hang out with family, you know, or any day is like weekend could it be. So, <laughs> but it, it is good to kind of still have somewhat of a schedule. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. Any day, every day is like the weekend. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about EZFIU, which is your kind of course, right? And I know that it's, it's somewhat around 10 to 12 modules, but I'd love for you just to give the listeners probably the best module. If you'd only pick one, what would you walk the listeners through and what would help them the very most? Yeah. So my favorite is actually module one because it sets the tune for the whole suite. Um, I always believed in that when you're selling to when you're sailing to somewhere um you must have a destination for me it was always a destination but not everybody's like me i know i've met people who's like we'll see what goes right um, but for me everyone who i met who are super motivated who has retired early um they always have a goal like either a time frame or goal um but it kind of gets boring with that so in that one unit we go through um you know, what does a typical day look like for you when you go FI so to help transition that, the transition I went through, right? So by the time they go FI, it just kind of smoothly transitioned over. These are the stuff I want to do. So now I have another list of to-do lists for you to do. Um, so, and then the other part is just feel inspired, you know, because when you set a goal and you break it down, then you realize, see that, wow, I can retire in 10 years. So like our mission was to help nine to five people uh, retire in 10 years or less to a lot of people. It's like mind blowing, right? Like, how could you do that? Like, you know, at least 20, 30 years. Right. Um, but by my calculation and my personal experience that it's totally doable for some people who has a little bit more asset uh, or they're more frugal 
we can get there in five years, maybe even three years. Um, so be able to kind of paint that picture and knowing what exactly is important to you. It's kind of the spirit part of it. Uh, and be able to kind of break it down into a roadmap where you have yearly goals where you can kind of hit it. Um, that is like super powerful. That's an awesome one. Yeah, I have a, a similar kind of philosophy with the whole ship and the captain and stuff. So I think that's awesome. Just having a, a course because when the when the you know when the winds change and the seas get rough, if you don't know where you're going, it, it becomes a, a very tricky situation. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. So it's definitely a great way to start the course. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So let's get into some more of the syndication side of stuff. I know that there is a difference between a limited partner and a general partner and a passive and active investor. Could you lay out those differences based on roles and also the structure of it? Yeah. So I think the general partner is actually kind of an old term because in the, in the security law, they used to define general partner LPs and GPs, limited partner, general partner. Uh, nowadays, nobody actually writes it that way <laughs> in, the, in the law <laughs> description. So they would just say sponsors co-sponsors or, you know, investors, right. Uh, or passive investors. Um, so it's, I think active partner or GP, they're similar. They're kind of similar thing. And then LP limited partner or passive investors are kind of equal. Um, and then right now kind of get into a little literature details here in the law, you know, they will usually say class A or class B member when this being active, you know, they're essentially trading their efforts for uh, pay, right? So, um, and then they actively control the property. Um, and then the passive investor, it's just kind of checking them out. Like, you know, um, it's people who invested with their money. So they're leveraging actually GPs, resources and work, but they don't have a lot of control over the property. Um, and then they get essentially a distribution, either a quarterly or monthly distribution. So that's kind of like the difference between the two um, that they don't really have control rights versus the GPs or the active managers that they are actually really in it. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of people who wants to be general partner, um, they get really excited. They go to these group courses. They're like, I want to be general partner. But over the time, I would say like my eventual goal is to transition some of my stuff mostly to passive. Right. And then I would just act as advisor on thinking if this is a good project or not, uh, because it's a lot of work to be an asset manager. And that's another term being used. Asset manager is the person who is actually operating um, the property. Right. So it's, usually it's interchangeable as active members um, because all the active members should be doing something in the deal. Um, yeah. So I think that that's the difference between that. Uh, it's one has control, one does not. And one trade time for money and the other is trading money for other people's time. Uh, when you're thinking about it, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book, like the best leverage is actually not leverage other people's money, is actually leverage other people's time and the resource and talent. And that's kind of what I come to realize. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I actually really like the way you broke that down as well. I, hope, I think the listeners will really uh, enjoy that and, and, and maybe even start to realize that there's actually a lot of value in being an LP. And I've kind of started to realize that myself as well. So that's awesome. Let's um, finish the show with the question I ask every listener, which is what, or ask every guest, what advice would you give a 20 year old or 20 something who is starting a business or a real estate investment business? Yeah. So I think it's kind of like a more of a life advice uh, per se. 
it, when I look back to my 20s, I really didn't start my investment journey until I was like 29, perhaps. Um, and, uh, you know, every time I see someone young like you, I'm always really excited because you have so much more potential to reach there before I even like started my job, like started my journey. Right. Um, so, and I think when you're being young, like I spent a lot of time partying and stuff when I was young. <laughs> so I feel like there's days wasted. I think there's life experience, you know? Um, but you're in the position, especially when you're out of college or when you're even inside of college, you have so much energy and that's your resource. So because you have so much energy and you have no dependent like kids or husband or spouse or all that, like spouse can be useful um, in, you know, helping you, but you don't have kids, which really commands your time. So your time is your best asset. Again, it goes back to time is the best asset in the world because nobody gets more, right? So you are actually at the prime. You have plenty of it. So really thinking about intentionally, if, if you kind of like just work really hard for five to 10 years, you get like a whole oasis in front of you. So just kind of thinking about, hey, how can I actually trim off my expenses and accelerate it by, you know, reinvesting into, because you need a money to invest in real estate, I think. You can have zero money down, but that's a little, lot harder path. You have some money that helps really with real estate investing. So really kind of try to, look at the expenses where you can trim the fat that when other people are partying go party somewhere but you know um maybe party one less day or two less day like you know like and and then really kind of get into um like the business side of it setting up the goal and uh, grinding at it and having the habits of grinding because it accumulates so much more like tony robbins always says you know like you kind of under uh, overestimate what you can achieve in a year and underestimate what you can achieve in 10 years. It's that accumulation. And, you know, think about it. If you started with 21, by the time you're like a 31, you're done. Right. And then because you only have one person, you can do all these like cool strategy, like house hacking and all that sort of stuff to maximize it. So you could be done when you're like a 25 year old. Um, and, and that's awesome because the rest of your life is free. Yeah, that's a really exciting thing to think about. I just love love hearing that kind of advice. It's just really refreshing and that patience, the compounding effect of it all and and having the right habits. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people reach you if they want to get in contact with you online? Yeah, um, you can go to my website, um, www.easyfiuniversity, the U is spelled out, university.com. Um, and then over there, you can kind of schedule time with me. Um, or reach out to me, look for me on Facebook, Elisa Zen, or, you know, um, LinkedIn. I'm active on these two um, as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and you've added a ton of value to the listener, so I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Kyle.